hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Raziel. I got my man Turner Honig here today, and we are talking about esports and his company, the sales director of BattleFi. But this is For the Love of Sports, I said. This is, this is a podcast where I get to talk about sports. I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between with incredible people like Turner. Turner, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Michael? It is a great day to be alive, my friend. Absolutely. There is no place I'd rather be than (laughs) sitting here talking to you, man. It doesn't get any better than this. So very excited to talk about Battlefy. Very excited to get to talk about how you got into the esports space and why you believe in it so much and why you're so excited to be there. But the first question, Turner, I have for everybody on the For the Love of Sports podcast is, why do you love sports so much? So I think there's two perspectives there. I think the first perspective is uh, I am not an athlete. So I would say from a fan perspective, um, it's about creating memories. Um, I think that whether your team is down 10, you know, 10 runs at, uh, uh, in the ballpark, or if you guys are, you know, beating the hell out of, uh, out of a team by, you know, a couple touchdowns, there is a lot of time to create a lot of memories with a lot of friends and family. Um, and I think that that kind of memory is, uh, is exactly why I love sports. Um, Everyone who has ever known me has known that I'm a huge Oakland A's fan. I will, uh, I will die on that hill. Um, that's my childhood team. Um, they haven't won the World Series in my lifetime. And all of the heartache kind of leading up to it is, uh, you know, it'll make that World Series that much better. So I would say that it's kind of, you know, creating those memories and always having that kind of connection that you can always have with someone, uh, you know, through the uh, through through what you've seen on uh, in either in the basketball court or uh, out in the Coliseum, you know? Yeah, um, I've never been to the Coliseum. I want to go because they just keep talking <laughs> about tearing it down for like pretty much my entire life. They've been just talking about how they don't they want to get rid of it. So I'm excited. Eventually, I will make it there because I don't think they're getting rid of it anytime soon. But I'm a Mets <laughs> fan, so I'm in that same boat, man. We've been to the World Series a couple of times, but. Never, uh, never broke through. And again, that one time we do, <laughs> I, I mean, I cried when I went to the world series a few years ago, I can only imagine what it's going to be like when they finally win one. I, you know, I, I think every Oakland A's fan has to hate the New York Yankees. So go Mets. Understandable. Mm-hmm. Completely, completely mm-hmm. understandable. The, the A's won re- like right before I'm assuming you were born beat, then, right? It was like they, 89, somewhere around They there. beat the giants in four games in 89 and the, uh, the earthquake didn't even stop them. So yep. There you go. Uh, that would have just been, you know, a, a childhood dream of mine to see to see that happen. But uh, I was a little little late to that game. Uh, there's actually an incredible um, New York Times op-ed where they call the Oakland Coliseum the last dive bar in baseball. I'll, uh, I'll send that over to you. After <laughs> oh, this. I like that. Yes, yeah. I'm a big fan of dive bars as long as I there feel comfortable go. in them. So we're we're good, man. I think that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, you, you like the thing about sports and why I love it so much. I'm not an athlete. I just my schedule revolves around it. You know, mm-hmm. what game's on tonight? What game's on tomorrow? NFL Sunday, college football Saturday. I mean, it's kind of cool now. Like, I love football, but I got two days of my week just given back to me now because mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I get to sit on the couch and watch football, so I won't <laughs> say I have to, but I now can, like, go do things, and hopefully spring comes a little quicker than uh, than expected and I can go back so. outside again. But until uh, then, I'm just going to sit and watch basketball on Saturdays and Sundays now because college uh, yeah. basketball season, right? Let's go. We, we will have March Madness, and I absolutely yep. can't wait for that. Uh, COVID took uh, you know everything from all of us, but uh, it took away the Ohio State and uh, Oregon yes. Ducks game in Eugene, and I'm a, a proud Oregon Duck alum, and uh, that would have been the, the biggest game in history. So I don't you know. also saved yourself from just 
just an absolute bashing. So that probably helps a little bit. Yeah, too. We'll see. We'll see. I hate Ohio State, man. I'll die on that hill any day. There so you I'm go. with you there. So Turner, let's talk a little bit more about you, I guess. Like, you know, loving sports your whole life, growing up with it. Did you always want to find yourself in that realm? Uh, because I know you started kind of in that advertising space a little bit, which again, sports is an industry, so you can get into advertising mm-hmm. in sports. But was that kind of something you always set your sights on? Or was it always just, hey, this is my fandom and this is my work life? Honestly, it was the latter. It was fandom and work life. Um, and it's awesome that, you know, the two were able to come together like they were. Uh, but no, they they were completely kind of separate. Um, but I feel like in your professional career, having a, lo- a wide kind of swath of interests certainly is never going to hurt you at all. Um, so, in yeah, in my professional career, I started out as a uh, as a media planner, um, you know, quickly found out that I uh, I, I didn't exactly want to be a media planner my entire life. It was a great kind of uh, digital media 101, you know, for all intents and purposes, right out of college. Um, I worked for Universal McCann and Sony Pictures Entertainment was our was our client. Um, I got to learn a hell of a lot in a very short time frame. Um, but I quickly realized that media planning wasn't exactly where my kind of strengths were. I certainly wanted to be across the table and actually working with clients and working out with What are their problems? Do I have what I need in the tool bag to help out with those issues? And how can I kind of forge a relationship with those people so that I can be the best kind of solution forward for them? Um, Lo and behold, you know, wore a lot of hats, but eventually got over to Battlefy um, and working within the esports space. And it's been a hell of a ride uh, ever since. Yes. And esports, as we know, has, has been blowing up, especially I feel like personally, I didn't really start to pay attention to it too much. It's been around for a while, right? League of Legends, mm-hmm. like League has been around for like well over 10 years, if I'm not mistaken yep. at this point. So it's been like something in the 90s, too. I can't remember, but whatever. And that it's it's been around and it was a very niche market. And, and people kind of just like, oh, you're watching kids play video games. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. And And now we're getting to the point where it's like, Hey, a 16-year-old kid just won like the Fortnite World Cup and took home a million dollars or whatever it is. So it's it's obviously become significantly, significantly bigger in the lexicon. Mm-hmm. Wherever there's an audience, wherever there are engaged eyeballs, it's going to be a no-brainer that brands are going to want to be there. They know that they need to be there. And it's honestly, it's a missed opportunity if they aren't. Uh, so that's where, you know, I, I agree with you. It wasn't, you know, kind of in the zeitgeist like it is now, but certainly, you know, over the past, I would say absolutely 10 years. The audience has grown, advertisers are tar- starting to take notice, and they understand that they need to be engaging with that audience. And if they aren't, they're missing the boat. They are you know, missing a huge opportunity, and it's kind of an investment. You need to start out kind of the earlier you start, mm-hmm. the better your investment is going to pay off for you later on. So um, that's the the interesting thing to see, and it's it's a lot of fun talking to different brands. Um, we're talking to everyone from you know CPG clients all the way to automotive clients. Um, and it's very interesting to hear their concerns in talking to the esports kind of audience and seeing what's most important to them. It's the wild, wild west. Um, there are a lot of different ways that you could spend money in, in talking to esports fans and, and competitive gamers. Um, so it's very interesting to kind of have those conversations and start figuring out what is the best solution for said client uh, based off of what they're telling you. Yeah, and I think that's that's the most important part. That's everything, though, right? It's just, you know, what is what are you looking for? And you said, do I have the tools in my tool belt to be able to help you? And mm-hmm. that's uh, if we break it down like that, it's pretty obvious. Like, what's the difference between esports and traditional sports, right? It's it's the opportunity to watch it live. But I think you even get a bigger opportunity on the highlight side 
with esports and then the personality side with esports outside of maybe like the NBA, like the NFL, if you're not a quarterback, nobody really gives a shit. And like there's Odell Beckham and then there's quarterbacks. And then in, in the MLB people even, you know, I guarantee you you're from LA, as you said, right. Or Mm -hmm. how many people are going to know Mike Trout walking down the street? Not that many, unfortunately. I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm sure there's some angels fans out there. Nobody knows who the hell Mike Trout is. They couldn't (laughs) point him out in a crowd, even if they tried to. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things where the personality and the streamer side, I think, lend itself to even a bigger opportunity for these brands. And as you said, you're you're talking from to everybody from CPG to automotive. How are you? How do these conversations come up? Right? You're the sales director, so I assume it's a lot of cold and warm and this and that. But how do you kind of talk to these brands and really again because you kind of have to in some situations i'm assuming you have to educate them on this entire industry that they know literally nothing about they just know eyeballs and money and we want it so i think the first portion of it is understanding who the hell it is you're talking to um i'm going to utilize red bull as kind of the pinnacle kind of um Mm -hmm. brand that has done a hell of a job in marketing their brand to esports uh esports fans as well as competitive gamers um those people have esports within their job title and so they know what they're doing they know kind of you know uh uh, the differences of uh, of marketing towards uh, Fortnite fans or League of Legends fans, okay? Um, so when you're talking to them, it needs to be an elevated kind of ball game. You aren't really doing the esports 101 kind of conversation. Whereas if you are talking to someone, I don't know, I'm gonna pull, discount tire, okay? They're gonna say, we need to talk to esports fans. I don't know exactly how we're gonna start doing this, but we know that it needs to be authentic. With that portion of it, you need to start kind of doing the education thing. You need to start kind of like laying the background of what has the past 10 years of esports looked like and why is it important for you to start talking now and talking in an authentic way? And that's the part that's interesting is starting to get, you know, kind of bring them along for the ride. Um, You know, why are you advertising within traditional sports? Okay, great. Why shouldn't you be advertising within esports? And then starting to bring around that kind of conversation that's what kind of you know wakes me up every day and 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 gets you going because there is a hell of a lot of our opportunities out there um and we're here to grow this business and uh, yep. that's a very exciting kind of prospect it's it's always it's growing it's growing there's a lot of stuff you said it's the wild west i've i've heard that for the last few years from some of my friends who are in the space shout out retremble mm-hmm. he's doing some incredible <laughs> stuff um and you know it's just understanding like what the heck is going on is half the battle it's just like what are we doing here and especially now so many more collegiate esports teams are, are popping up around the country. There's some very legitimate ones that have been mm-hmm. around for a few years. And there's others that are just student run organizations it's like, yeah, Yo, you guys want to play smash tonight? Like it's so there's there's so many different opportunities in the space. Obviously, we have the professional organizations like 100 Thieves mm-hmm. and FaZe Clan. Everyone knows who FaZe Clan is because they pretty much just like capture all the actual oh, yeah. athletes, too, which is pretty funny. They have but a sweet house, too. Yeah, I've heard I haven't <laughs> seen it, but it looks pretty nice. There's and, an 100 Thieves in L.A. Are, are It looks awesome. I'd love to live there i live i went to college i don't ever want to do that again i'm good i'm good i'm sure it was great i don't, I don't ever want to do that again but so so you have the professional organizations you have the the streamers right you just have the ninjas of the world who are just out there kind of putting their personalities out they might not be actually the best at the games but everyone wants to watch them because they're mm-hmm. awesome and they do funny stuff you have the collegiate the professional and then you just have regular people right and that's kind of the bucket you guys fall into a little bit more if i'm not mistaken you kind of just fall into Yo, guys, you know, let's play Fortnite. Let's play squads tonight. It's Friday. We're not allowed outside of our house, technically. Mm-hmm. Like, let's do some stuff. So talk to me a little bit about Battlefy and kind of how you guys are 
really paying attention to that fourth bucket. I'm sure there's other things that you guys are doing, but really paying attention to that support uh, that fourth bucket the most. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say absolutely that casual to semi-pro kind of gamer. That's who we're really catering to. Let's take, you know, me, for example, I was not a huge gamer prior to the pandemic, but all of my buddies said, Hey, we're buying Xboxes. Call of Duty is going to be our thing. Fantastic. So what we're doing on Battlefy is basically providing a way for anyone and anyone to uh, get onto Battlefy and create a tournament across any different game, across any different platform. So that could be you and I kind of, you know, saying, hey, we're the Fortnite Friday Night Drinking League. And it's going to be you, me, and 30 of our other buddies. And we're going to get on for a Friday night kind of a league. That's the infrastructure that Battlefy started out as in, you know, 2013. Um, And, you know, as a UGC kind of a platform, we did a hell of a good job of retaining our users. We have about 80 million users globally. um, And they keep coming back to Battlefy because we take the insights from what was this uh, tournament experience like? pre and post game surveys. What did you like about the cadence of the tournaments? Did we need to kind of set this up differently? Is there a different kind of format that makes more sense? Is there anything in here that just straight up pissed you off that you just hated? Uh, Those kind of insights really inform what we're doing with our platform and where we're pushing it off into the future. Um, If I had to elevator pitch us, you know, we did a great job of doing that on the UGC kind of a side. We got the ear of the publishers and we're actually the infrastructure that's running some of the official events from, let's say, uh, Riot Games with their College League of Legends series. We run Psyonix's Rocket League Championship Series. We run all of Nintendo's official North America events. This is the kind of background infrastructure that these game developers are trusting to put their name on it and say, all right, this is where we are going to drive people to so that they can compete in the official Super Smash Brothers tournament, okay? What we're doing and what my job is every day is to basically go take that exact same infrastructure and go talk to brands and say, hey, Pringles, What is it going to be like for you guys to own your own Call of Duty tournament? What does it mean for you guys not to just sponsor influencers, sponsor, you know, official kind of events where you might have signage in a non-COVID world, but you'd have Madison Square Garden kind of signage and all the kind of uh, highlight reels and everything beyond that. That's a great way to get a lot of, you know, large scale kind of brand impressions out there and to make sure that people say, all right, yeah, we saw your Pringles logo on, uh, on, you know, a hundred thieves Jersey, for example, but what does it look like to actually have an ownable experience from a brand perspective? Every brand out there, every media agency is going to be tasked with finding first to market opportunities. Okay. FTM. It's kind of, it's, it's the buzzword. Um, This truly is one of those first to market kind of opportunities and finding an ownable kind of an experience for brands to more authentically connect with gamers. Um, It's a great thing to get your brand out there with these large scale kind of sponsorships and and it provides with a hell of a lot of impressions, but it's a rather passive kind of an engagement. You're not really actively engaging with those people that are going to go to Staples Center or Madison Square Garden to go watch uh, League of Legends Championship Series. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, there are a hell of a lot of casual to semi-pro kind of gamers out there. There's a way for you to engage those gamers in a cost-effective kind of way. And that's, you know, that's what we do over at Battlefy. And so far, it's been a, uh, it's been a very fun ride. And, and how integrated can someone like a Pringles get is, you know, as you said, it's not just quite the signage, you're actually engaging with them. Can you give us some examples? Like, what are some of those things that Pringles would be able to, is it, you know, you'd be able to shoot that email blast? Are they going to sponsor the survey? Like, how, how integrated can you get? Because I think that's the most important part, right? Signage is great. But myself, the millennial generation and, and the, the generation below us, 
dude, I've seen what what is that statistic I learned in marketing? It's like twenty five thousand advertisements a day. You know how easy it is for me to notice ad or sponsored mm. on something and just to flick my finger on, right on to the next one. So how how are you guys kind of breaking that wall down and being able to engage uh, help help these brands engage even more? No, it's a good question. Um, so what we're doing is we're saying to brands that we can make a fully custom, uh, you know, experience for you around your brand, around your KPIs. What does that mean? It means when you go on to battlefy.com, you have your specific URL that then drives you to your specific branded event. You can kind of think of it as you are given the opportunity to own the playground where these gamers are, are always um, you know, com coming into and engaging with your brand. They will always see that this is the Red Bull uh, engagement that you are you're, you're, you're playing in. Mm -hmm. From that point, you start looking at this from more of a traditional media perspective. You start saying, all right, what are your KPIs? What do you need to do within this gaming event to you know make sure that this was actually worth the uh, worth you know your investment? So how do we start bringing in your loyalty rewards programs, and how do we start incentivizing gameplay through that? How do we start embedding you know different content that you may want to be pushing out in front of these gamers? That's a huge kind of thing for uh, every every film studio out there. So how are we going to start you know kind of pushing video views in front of them? There's the pre and post game kind of surveys where, you know, we can ask kind of qualitative questions about what's your favorite, what's your favorite kind of snack uh, to have when you're playing Call of Duty. Um, those are the kind of things that we can start giving back to the brands. Furthermore, are you familiar with Discord? I'm, I'm presuming. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's where we're basically doing all of our communication with the, with the, uh, with the players. But we're also going to say, hey, this is how we're going to build up this community for your brand. This is something that we could even pass off to your brand after our, our execution is done so that you can always kind of have this engaged group of, uh, of, of gamers that you can kind of consistently talk to. Everything about what we do is surrounded around engagements. And that's the interesting part and kind of one of the challenges that we have at Battlefy is really educating the market and saying, we don't even have something in here that is going to, you know, kind of go apples to apples in your media plan to say, all right, you spent this amount of money and you're going to get X amount of impressions. No, we need to start talking to brands and saying, you are paying for absolutely engaged gamers that are knowing that they are within your playground, your branded playground, but they are opted in. There are people that want to come into your experience. Um, and that's the, uh, that's the challenging part of, uh, of our job. But if advertisers are looking for kind of a first market kind of an opportunity, that's where you start asking them why they think about advertising in a certain way. Why do you live in a CPM kind of world? Why does a cost per acquisition kind of rule every metric that you have? And frankly, you know, I'm not sitting in there in their meetings with clients, so I don't know, you know, kind of the ins and outs. But that's kind of the fun part of sales is that you start trying to figure out what are the individual things that are making or breaking your opportunity. Um, and that's uh, that's the challenge that I, I look forward to. It's a fun challenge, man. Sales. It's, uh, <laughs> you you uh, it, it, some days you you don't want to do it. Other days you really want to do it. Uh, it's, you know, it's I think it's it's how you stay in the middle. Um, you mm -hmm. can get you know the highs are super high, yep. but the reason they're super high is because the lows can be really goddamn low. Yep. So uh, that's certainly something that I think every every salesperson kind of grapples with is, is um, how do you keep your emotions in the middle and not get too kind of how how you make sure that you don't waver because it's a scary little time there. Yes, that emotional roller coaster is not the most fun. So, uh, over obviously, the, you know, we talked about how over the last the last ten years, let's say, you know, esports has really started to 
become much more common and it's not just like silly people again going back to my dumb comment oh you just watch kids play video games well you watch large men hit each other on a field on a sunday like why is this any different and usually mm. when you bring up that argument they have some stupid quip back but it's pretty much the conversation's over so what mm. happened over the pandemic was just i mean you know you heard i heard it you know a million times especially in the beginning those first four or five months when there were no sports on esports was the only thing that people could watch I downloaded Twitch. I downloaded Discord. Like there were so many things that I did in that first four months that I never paid attention to before. I watched, you know, ESPN had that awful, 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 um, like one-on-one -on -one tournament that they did. That was just mm -hmm. complete trash. But hey, it was something. So I watched it, right? So with the pandemic, those first four or five months, it was like a like three-year stretch for esports. So many people kept saying like the the acceleration, yada, yada, yada. What did you guys see in that time? especially from brands realizing well hey like sports aren't coming back for a little while we know that we don't know when they're coming back but we know it's not gonna be for a little while the only thing that's running right now are kids and games and now they don't even have anything to compete with you know starting seven o'clock at night which yeah maybe they want to throw on a basketball game well now they can't so now they're going straight to their video games at five and just staying on how did you start connecting with brands in that sense and how did you guys look at this opportunity and say hey like this sucks but we can really spin this into a positive. Absolutely. So I think it is about providing that kind of an education. I think any marketer can understand, okay, how do we start pivoting things? The beginning, you know, the middle of March, like no one knew what mm -hmm. those two weeks, like no one knew what the hell to do. So oh, it was, it was only was, going to be like, it was like three weeks and we're going to get over it. This is going to be the easiest. like two weeks is fine. Yeah. So it was kind of like, all right, we're just going to wait. We're just going to wait it out. But then all of a sudden, I would say around kind of like middle of April was when you started seeing brands saying, all right, this is here to stay. How do we start kind of pivoting around to what we're doing? So from that point, you know, it really is kind of education around, you know, hey, this is what at least what we're seeing on our platform. This is the this is the kind of growth that we're seeing uh, from gamers coming on and just developing out their own tournaments. This is the increase in traffic that we're seeing. These are the games that we're starting to see kind of get more traction. Um, how can we bring you in in a cost effective way? Now, what I think is really interesting about advertisers is that most all of them have an upfront, okay? They're gonna have an upfront with Facebook, Google, or Amazon. That money is gonna be set in there. Please so- describe what an upfront is, if you don't mind. No problem. An upfront is basically a way to uh, sign on for X amount of dollars. You are going to spend X amount of dollars with Facebook, and we'll figure out exactly where we're gonna push those dollars, but the more that you're buying, the more cost-effective we're gonna be, and you know, the more discounts we're gonna provide. Um, that's usually, you know, those are kind of, signed on for at the beginning of the year and then those those dollars are set you really you know it's it's difficult to get out of those and it doesn't make sense really to get out of them so there's already a smaller amount of money for players like battlefy to kind of play around with and so it is interesting to try and and see what the relationships are with advertisers and those kind of platforms and see where you actually have a an actual legitimate shot at taking away some budget now from what I've seen is that a lot of advertisers have a specific marketing budget for innovative type of executions. Okay. That's where we kind of fall in. So it really is about educating them and saying why your offering that maybe isn't the biggest in the, in the marketplace is going to be better than, you know, something else that they are, they are possibly thinking about. But again, that is part of the challenge. Um, I would say that from the, you know, the pandemic and the start of it, it really was about educating user, ed educating our, 
our brand partners about what we're seeing in the uh, in in our space. Um, you know, the kind of stats that we're seeing and what the opportunities are for them moving forward. So that would be my my best answer mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, no, no, no. And that's a, it's a good answer. And it's always funny, right? You know, every brand has a very set budget until it's not set anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always fun. Mm-hmm. It's always fun to see. It's like, clearly, I didn't do a good enough job to, you know, add that value. So we're going back to the, the drawing board there. Yep. But I think, you know, just with the pandemic and everything that's come with it, you know, obviously, a lot of negatives, but I try and spin everything into a positive and there's a way to do that if you want to, right? You can stay negative. I try not to. So I think it's really important what you guys have been able to do. And over, you know, the 13, four, what is it? Seven, eight years. There we go. That you guys have been around. I know you've only been here for a couple months now, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, correct? Mm-hmm. About half correct. a year, a little over correct, a half a year. Correct. What, um, what have you seen in that amount of time? And what do you see moving forward for Battlefy to say, Hey, like, this is, we are going to be a major player in this space because look, we're already connected with Riot. We're connected with Nintendo. Having those types of names attached to what you're doing, I feel like it's just going to hopefully cross my fingers, make your job a little bit easier moving forward. Absolutely. Um, moving forward, it is working with brands for longer multi-year kind of partnerships. It is bringing them in and saying, all right, this is your first time, you know, kind of really trying to engage with, uh, with, you know, esports fans and competitive gamers, hopefully providing, you know, that, that quality kind of an experience where they say, all right, great. Not only did we see the brand lift here, but we saw conversions through a loyalty rewards program or promo codes, QR codes, things like that, where we can start actually kind of driving the bottom line. Hopefully we are kind of providing that kind of community aspect where they're authentically engaging with gamers. I think one of the things that I've seen uh, so far is that um, advertisers are terrified of getting their brand messaging wrong to gamers. Mm-hmm. They know that they are an audience that calls bullshit quicker than any any other audience out there. Um, so I think there is a lot of um, hesitation in speaking to them from a brand perspective. So if we can kind of, you know, provide uh, a fail safe to say, hey, you know, maybe we should steer away from this kind of brand messaging. Maybe we should go this kind of route instead and providing them that value year over year. That's just going to drive the overall kind of value of our offering up and up and up. And uh, that's, you know, that that's at least my role within the, uh, within mm-hmm. the, the company. Um, I would say that the goal is to be, the place for gamers to come and create their own tournaments and also the place for them to come and play. Now that is an uphill battle, but that is uh, the, the opportunity is right for the taking. I love that Battlefy has been around since 2013. It provides that authenticity. It provides, you know, a, a kind of a safe space for brands to kind of play in. Um, so that's the, uh, the exciting part of it. And um, every day is kind of figuring out how we can drive that value with our brand partners. And find that budget. So you said something there that I've heard so many times, and I, I agree with and I believe, but why are gamers one of the audiences that are so <laughs> quick to sniff out inauthenticity? Like, why Why is that? Because I've heard that for the last four or five, three, four, whatever years, that yes, if you're not authentic, they're going to write you off immediately. I haven't read any case studies on it, but I also haven't dug too deep. And you say it again, and I'm just kind of curious, why do you think that is? What it is? What God. is it about this audience that's just like, yeah, get the hell out of here. You're very clearly mm. just trying to slap a logo on and get me to buy shit. God, that's a good question. <clears throat> Why are they able to call bullshit quicker than any other audience out there? Um, I think that's good. 
I no, no, I no, absolutely my absolutely my um I think it's because there is no there's no reason for that kind of bullshit. You know, when you're gaming, there is a cut and dry winner and loser. There is, you know, kind of cut and dry strategies that you can you can sit there and employ. Um, I think it is because there is that passion for what they're doing. And I think that, you know, gamers are seeing like, all right, well, now every brand is seeing that, you know, we are kind of that target audience, especially given the pandemic. Um, I think it's because there is no tolerance for that kind of bullshit. Um, and so if you do it the wrong way, they have a lot, they are a com- connected kind of community that can quickly spread, um, you know, brand hate. Uh, you're, you're, you're only, you know, a few disgruntled gamers away on discord from having someone say, oh, well, I am never, ever going to buy M&Ms ever again. Um, and so I think that it's, it's a fantastic question, but I think that might be it is just because there is no real room for bullshit within gaming itself. And because gamers are so passionate about their, about their games and, and, and the way that they're spending their time. So I would say that that's probably the, the reason, but Brands certainly are aware of it. And I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good starting yeah. off point for them. Too. Absolutely. No, don't be like, uh, what is, is that Steve Buscemi meme? Is hell, how do you do fellow kids? Where he's like this 55 <laughs> year old dude carrying a skateboard, just like a backwards hat on. Yes. Like, we can clearly see that you're like not a part of this community and you're trying really hard. And I think that's, that's important. Right. And it's, you know, jumping in, you know, is one thing for a lot of these brands, because again, they see the dollars, they see the eyeballs, they want to take advantage of it. Brands like State Farm have been crushing it, have been doing this. Mm-hmm. Again, I had a conversation with Darren Glover um, about it. She's like, why State Farm? It doesn't make sense. But I think he did a great job at explaining it. And again, if you can take somebody through that entire journey of, you know, being a part of a brand, you're going to, the affinity is going to be there. And I think that part is very important as well. But Turner, this is awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Um, did we miss anything? I think we did Absolutely. just about everything, right? I think we did just about everything. The only last thing, this might have a place in this or not, but uh, Fight Club. Yes, familiar? Um, the movie? When Brad Pitt says that, yes, yes. When, ad, yes. when Brad Pitt says advertising has us uh, working jobs we hate to buy shit we don't need. That kind of seems like a, a North Star for kind of advertising to gamers and, and figuring out, all right, how do we authentically kind of bring uh, bring our brand message out? And it's just something I've always thought of. And at some point in some office that I own, it's going to be a it's going to be a piece of art somewhere out there. Just it's a good, uh, good way of thinking about things. Just kind of have the Fight Club uh, movie poster <laughs> up there painted yes. like by hand. They'll look pretty sweet, man. There I, you I go. Get behind that. I completely agree. Um, you know, I started my own business a few years ago. I haven't hated working you know for myself in a very long time which is awesome it's been difficult but i still would rather do that in more situations than not uh i also hate things i'm like a huge like (laughs) things guy like i'll go out to dinner and then that's about it so um i'm also cheap so i think that i'll be honest i think that that. no 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 i'll I'll be very honest i think that has something to do with it too but no turner this has been absolutely fantastic turner honig sales director at battlefy where can we find out more information about you where can we follow you where can we follow battlefy give me all the stuff man uh so battlefy.com would be the best place to go out and uh, just check out our, our website you can check out what we've done with different brands um I would say for me, there's a, a LinkedIn uh, post somewhere. So I will be throwing that out here as well. Um, but uh, that would be the uh, the two best ways to uh, to kind of talk. Uh, Turner at battlefy.com if you were so inclined to have a conversation. Reach out. 
just learn. What's the problem with learning? I think that's the most, one of the more things people don't do that enough. Just learn something new every day. You're in a good spot. So shit, we got time. <laughs> absolutely. We do. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate it. Turnus was absolutely fantastic. Thank you again for your flexibility and go make some sales, man. Appreciate Thanks you. Thanks so much, Michael. You have a good one. Bye everybody. Bye. Yeah.